Welcome back to the Pet Cash Pod presented by ProFluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. This is the 58th episode of my series where I interview founders, investors, athletes, and the smartest people in sports. Today's guest is Brian Woods. He is the founder and CEO of Prep Super League, which is an innovative new model in the high school American football space. I'll let him explain it, but it's super fascinating, super interesting. They're fairly new. They launched it in February. Brian previously was the founder and president of the United States Football League, the USFL, which is basically an amateur version of the NFL. And uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. I learned a ton. I think you will as well. So many fascinating topics we touch on and a cool new business that he is trying to create. I'll let him explain. But anyway, let's dive right in. Brian, what's up, brother? Appreciate you coming on today. It's been a little two-week hiatus for me, so uh, excited to be back in the seat and have a great guest like yourself. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me, Andrew. I appreciate it. want to start here. A year ago, you leave the USFL and you go prep Super League. That's what I want to build. Give us the rundown of what you're building and then not even really just that, but you know the opportunity you saw to go, no, I have to do this and I have to do it now. Yeah, look, I think if you look at my background, the better part of the last decade, I've, I've been creating and launching sports properties. I'm, I'm very entrepreneurial in, in that perspective. And so for me, it's always about filling voids and trying to find what's the latest trend out there. And where, you know, where can we capitalize? And having the exposure I had with Fox and NBC working on the USSL and, you know, cr- creating a real value proposition, the Spring League for several years, and eventually Fox took a piece of that. And then I sold them on the USFL concept. Obviously, I had some different ideas philosophically as, you know, where that league should probably end up. But ultimately, I was really paying a lot of attention to the current landscape. So you mentioned NIL when we were uh, chatting previously, you know, what NIL has become, the opportunities potentially for high school students. More importantly, I looked around and just saw the proliferation of club and travel sports and how popular those have become to, to any athlete, but more importantly to the parents that are looking to pursue those opportunities with the hope of landing a, a scholarship offer for their son or daughter. Football doesn't have one. And I've, I was always questioning why that, why that was. And so I felt like we could create something that would fill a void in that space from a developmental aspect. I also felt like, you know, Andrew, looking at what, and I think maybe the Big Ten was really what, you know, kind of got me thinking. But if you looked at the last uh, uh, media rights deal uh, that was phenomenal, you know, what Kevin Warren negotiated on behalf of the Big Ten. And I thought to myself, you know, if, if college conferences can garner billion dollar rights fees, why couldn't we create something with high school age athletes and go into the markets that routinely produce the most amount of talent, put a product on the field with, you know, teams that are mostly comprised of four and five star players. To me, you don't have a high school football team at that point, you know, use NCAA rules make it different. It's not high school football. It's not quite college, but it's a product that could be very closely compared to college football. And so my mind, my, my thought process was that if we could create something like that, we'd have a, we'd have a very valuable product and something that would, would warrant media consideration. And then finally, you know, I kind of needed a catalyst to attract the top players. And so I saw what was happening with NIL, you know, more and more states were starting to fall in line in terms of what colleges were doing. But most importantly, there were a lot of key states out there, Georgia, Florida, states that routinely produce the most amount of, uh, you know, talent, whether that be the Power Five conferences, whether that be players on opening day NFL rosters. And these states 
still did not have the ability for high school age athletes to monetize their NIL. And I thought there was something wrong with that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to create a national league. I'm going to provide opportunities for this market that, oh, by the way, has become very competitive because the transfer portal, Andrew, has created a phenomenon or a dynamic rather where more colleges are opting to go into the transfer portal and sign a player that has college experience versus signing a high school senior. And what that's done, not only has it decimated scholarship opportunities at the junior college level, but in the last two years alone, anywhere between 400 to 500 fewer scholarships per year are finding their way to high school seniors. So there were many voids to fill, but I felt like NIL would, this business model and this business plan would be good at any time, especially for the void that's filling, but particularly at a time where I had a mechanism to recruit and attract the star players to put the product on the field that we're ultimately hoping to display. So that was really the, the, the genesis of the idea or the catalyst, if you will, for me creating the prep super league. Yeah, it's super interesting. And NIL obviously plays a huge piece and we'll get into that. I want to go to this first though. So like in terms of the business, it, you know, as itself, you know, where are you looking at from the media rights, the revenue model, you know, the player compensation, like give us kind of the whole financial aspect of the business. And then we'll kind of start to pick apart some of the, the dynamics and trends that you talked about a little bit, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, just understand that we're not directly paying players. That that would certainly be something that would would jeopardize the participants NCAA eligibility, and that's not something that we'd like to do. But I, I assume you're referring to the NIL component and finding ways to monetize the player, bringing them into the league. And I think, look, we've partnered with a, a very good company in No Cap Sports. We've had a lot of brand, even trading card companies that have already approached us and said, hey, listen, we would love to get involved with you guys from a licensing standpoint and set aside a set amount of money each year for a multi-year agreement that would include a, 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 you know, a set aside amount of money to use for NIL purposes to, to attract uh, the top players. But first and foremost, we're not your traditional professional sports league, right? We're, we, we should be seen very similar from a business model standpoint to what the NBA G League is or minor league baseball or all the other minor league systems that exist uh, throughout the country, meaning those organizations are not on the hook for paying player payroll or workers' compensation or coaching salaries. If they were, Andrew, those businesses would, would be uh, filing Chapter 7 bankruptcy the next day. So this model had to be sustainable. Obviously, we're utilizing you know, high school age athletes. We're creating something of value to them. We're going to have our own media platform. We're going to have our own direct-to-consumer platform, that is, because we feel like there's a real interesting play with the younger consumer here. We feel like we have a younger participant, and we feel that alone helps us connect to a, a younger audience. We also think that data is very valuable in terms of that younger consumer. We also want to do some very unique things. So, look, we're going to have data tracking capabilities with all of our players. You're going to see a high school football broadcast like you've never seen before. As a matter of fact, you know, as we get into this, we won't even refer to it as high school football because it should look nothing like high school football. But we're doing some really unique things on the media side to kind of grow an audience organically from, from the early years. So I don't think we're really looking to establish or do we think that we need a major media partner involved, whether that be an ESPN or a Fox or an NBC or traditional linear, linear partners, because to me, that feels more like a year four, year five thing and not something that we need to necessarily sustain our operations uh, in the early years. So with that being said, we feel like that 
the technology we're going to incorporate. And one of those being, we have partnered with a company that allows us to stream our games in sub-second latency. And that's something that all the major sports leagues still can't do because most of them are tied to, to linear contracts, linear agreements. So we're doing some really unique things. We're doing some things that no other leagues have ever done before. And we're doing it with the high school league. So we think there's a really interesting play here to attract an audience, that college football fan, that younger audience that, that wants to follow their classmates and so on and so forth. From a business model standpoint, I know I'm hitting on a lot of points here, but from That's a good. business model standpoint, we are no different than, even though, you know, I just gave you all the bells and whistles, we should still be viewed no different than a travel volleyball team or AAU basketball with the understanding that the one caveat here is this is exclusive. It's not Long Island, New York with 300 AAU basketball teams just in that area alone. It's, it's the, the markets that we've targeted that historically produce the most talent. And we're only putting one team in the city. So it's still very exclusive. But do, there is a component to our business model, Andrew, where a handful of players on each team would pay, quote unquote, player development fee. And that is really only in the business model to help us sustain ourselves in the first couple of years. As we bring in more uh, dynamic and meaningful partnerships, as we do start to attract an ESPN or a major brand and they want to put more funding into the league or they want to get in, involved in a bigger way, then I think at that point in time, probably only a year or two years into our existence, there would no longer be a player development fee. But we do feel like right now we have a, a very sustainable model and one that is uh, quite disciplined. Yeah. And when I talked about a little bit earlier, I know we're going way back now on the, the payments of players and I'm not sure in the football landscape, but like overtime elite, I'm sure you've taken a lot of things of how they've built their business and they give players the option of, you know, you can either get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year but you know you lose your NCAA eligibility or you can just not get paid and keep your you know eligibility but you get you can still make NIL money that's is that like i just need some clarification on that and how you guys think about that and also i'm guessing it's just different from football to basketball where there's not that rule where you can go straight from your league to the NFL or whatever would be next that's that's correct i think for us maybe a longer term play down the road would be something where we have another property that potentially could spin off of the prep super league let's just call it for argument's sake right now, a collegiate super league, right? Mm. So the one thing that I see happening right now in the college football world is the power five conferences just continue to get bigger and bigger and more and, and, and stronger from a financial standpoint. Their donor-led collectives are nothing that the group of five can compete against. If you are a good player or just coming into your own and you end up at a, you know, a University of Houston or an Appalachian State or a Georgia Southern, whatever it may be, and you have a great season, my argument is you are not staying there. You're going to go into the transfer portal. You're going to be recruited away from the power five schools. And so I think those schools are really going to struggle over the next several years, building continuity within their programs. And they're never going to be able to compete from a financial standpoint. Let's call it for what it is. Right now, NIL really is a, an above board way to pay players. And so with that in mind, it only makes sense that the Texas, the Michigans, the Floridas of the world are going to have a much bigger budget to work with no different than the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball. You should expect to see the Yankees in postseason every year. They've got the biggest amount of ability to, to you know, keep a player like an Aaron Judge around and play him a ridiculous salary. And a guy like Aaron Judge might make more than the, you know, the, the entire A's organization uh, alone. That being said, you know, again, the, the NIL aspect of this, I think, is, is very attractive. And I think that... While we are exploring all different ways to make this um, uh, a really dynamic property, 
we're not looking to jeopardize the player's NCAA eligibility. So right now, a player comes into the league and takes an NIL deal. If he's in a state where NIL is allowed, then that's okay. There's no issues there. If he's in a state right now where NIL isn't currently afforded to high school age athletes, then you're looking at an eligibility issue, but not with the NCAA programs. You're looking at the eligibility issue as it relates to his own respective state high school association. So that being said, this sort of deal that a player from that sort of state could take would be worth exponentially more than potentially sticking around and playing their senior year. And so what I think you're going to see, Andrew, in this league is, although we're not necessarily advocating for it, it's just everything keeps getting moved up, whether it be the recruiting calendar. It's no different than a player who decides as a junior in college, I'm coming out early and I'm going to declare for, for the NFL draft. The top players, and you saw it recently with, with Arch Griffin at the University of Texas, but all the top players at this point want to come out early. They want to be able to graduate in December. So what I think you're going to see with the Prep Super League is some players are going to decide, especially in states where NIL is not afforded to them, they might come into the Prep Super League the spring of their junior year and make that their senior season and decide, I'm going to take this NIL deal. I'm going to focus on academics this summer and the fall. And this is going to be a great thing for me. It's going to help me. It's going to help my family. Not to mention the fact that if I get injured, I've got a full year to recuperate before I have to be on the field for my college program. You don't necessarily have that luxury if you're playing fall high school traditional football. So a lot of people have come at us from a standpoint of, well, is this going to be like AAU from years past? Is this going to be safe for the players? And I told him, I'm saying, listen, we're bringing in the best sports medicine uh, practices. You know, we're consulting with the NFL right now in terms of uh, medical protocols. Our practices will look very similar to NFL regular season practice. So safety is a big thing for us. But one of the selling points I have to these kids is that, look, you come into this league and this, if this does become your senior year, you're only talking about six games of wear and tear. You're not talking about a full fall season that the better players might participate in that could, could require them to play, you know, 12 or 15 high school games. So I think there's a lot of benefits uh, to this, to a young player, especially in the days of the days we live in now where uh, CTE is a, is a, is a real problem. Head trauma issues are something that, that all parents and players are concerned about. And so I think that's another, you know, luxury that the prep super league can afford them. Yeah. Now, Brian, on the, I guess we'll call it the recruitment standpoint, you know, how are you guys going about that to say, you know, these are the players we want this year. You're going to have an influx the next year. Here's our criteria or here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're going after to, you know, obviously get talented players that people want to watch. I think, look, I think it's a fair question. And I think in year one, our goal is really to probably have anywhere from 10 to 15 four and five star players comprising the roster in any given market. You know, eventually we'd like to see every player on that team as a four or five star. But I also believe in giving players and providing players that otherwise may have been overlooked, otherwise may have a skill set. And let's call it for what it is. I'm not exactly sure who qualifies these quote unquote recruiting services to put a star or a ranking on any player for that matter. And so we believe that we can go into some of these markets, especially the market that are producing, uh, you know, such um, uh, significant talent every year and develop some of these guys, whether it be a two or three star player and turn them into a four or five star player. We think we can go in and find guys that that might have been overlooked. So I don't think we're going to have a trouble. We are going to our, our, our kind of philosophy right now is we do want to go out there in the fall and recruit the top players, try to get some of these guys to commit early in the process and then put a supporting cast around them. And I think once some of these better players come in, um, the, the other players will obviously uh, follow, but it will be competitive because look, there's only 50 roster spots in every market. So we think it's going to be ultimately, even if you do have some 
lesser tier players, guys that haven't made it to that four or five star status yet, we still feel like they're going to be big contributors on a team and they're going to be players that that ultimately we can develop. I will also say this too, Andrew, is that since we announced, we've already had a number of parents around the nation with sons that are top players, one specifically in the state of Georgia that you know might be the best overall player right now in the country that have been very aggressive and have said, we love this concept. We want to get our son into it. So we feel pretty good that um, irrespective of what might be or the misinformation that might be out there amongst high school football coaches and, and state high school associations. Ultimately, Andrew, we're here for the players and we're here for the parents. That's what we're here for. And that's who we're here to service. There should be a supplemental platform to traditional school sponsored football. And football, as you know, is a very uh, uh, specific and unique sport. You have a one, one guy who might be 280 pounds, another guy who might be 180. So we're really looking to bring in, you know, coaches with college experience so our players get the best, you know, teaching and instruction. And that is not something you can necessarily say for the, you know, school-sponsored programs that are out there. Right. And, and then obviously the high school coaches, you can see why they're not going to like this because if you're going to pull their top player for the year, that's why, you know, there's going to be that publicity out there, which I'm sure that's kind of what you were alluding to in terms of Prep Super League. Now, I guess in terms of, like, I want to go even younger, like in terms of youth sports or the downstream effect, like, can this go further or is it always going to be at this junior, senior, right before college's intermediary level? Or do you see even leagues and things like this going younger and younger over time? Yeah, I think, look, in every one of our markets, we, we, are, we are already setting up a developmental program for middle school age kids. So players that are you know, between roughly the age of, let's call it 12 and, and 14. We want to work with those players, kind of try to find and identify talent at a younger age and kind of set up our own pipeline, if you will. We also want to use it as a way to identify the bigger body, right? The offensive line position is always very difficult, whether it's the NFL, whether it's college football. I think people would be surprised. They, they all hear about the names on Saturdays, whether it be the star quarterback, running back, wide receiver. But some of the highest NIL deals right now, well, a lot of these may be donor-led collectives that not everybody are aware of because they're not brands going out there announcing these partnerships. But some of the highest deals right now are going to offensive linemen. So you, you are in high demand if you're halfway skilled in that position. So I think we want to use our middle school feeder program to, to try to identify those bodies early in the process and really develop those kind of kids. So again, to your point, uh, it's one that's well taken and we're, we're definitely very interested in working with the younger player, probably, probably down to the age of 12, because quite frankly, you know, we're of the mindset that, that kids under the age of 12 probably shouldn't be playing contact football just based on what we know these days uh, as it relates to head trauma. Yeah. And in terms of NIL, where do you see that space going, whether it's legislation, whether it's high school laws, whether it's, you know, just in general with brands and how they're spending money or donors and spending money? You know, I I think uh, a lot of people would love to hear kind of your thoughts on that space being on multiple angles of it. I I think, look, I think we're in a unique position here for for multitude of reasons. One, we have a national league that no one's ever established before. There's never been a national high school football league. And so we've opened up the NIL opportunity to players around the country, uh, irrespective of where they live, irrespective of what current policy they live under, you know, based on their state association. So we obviously think that creating our league, it could be in some ways the catalyst for more states to allow NIL. Uh, The other thing I would tell you is we do find this uh, another big value proposition to brands 
to get involved with the player and really get to know their story at an earlier age versus, oh, this kid came to college. He's been on campus for a year. He's a star. Let's do something with him. Well, my position on that is you, you, your maximum runway on a kid like that could be 24 months versus you come and get involved with a player, a player in the prep Super League. Now you have an opportunity to maybe establish a long-term partnership at a, at a much younger age. And I think the brands, we, we've had some initial discussions. We've had some very favorable responses. And, and even like the trading card company that I mentioned, they're all very excited about the opportunity to start working with the player a little bit sooner than what they've been able to do. In, in, in years past. So I think the property, again, that's just another, another value proposition and, and what we've uh, created. But in terms of where I see it going, yeah, this is why we created the Prep Super League because I really think the idea is to get involved with the player uh, at, a, at an earlier age. And these younger people, as you know, the, especially with Gen Z, it's the first generation to not know a world without a smartphone, right? So that's unique in itself. But ultimately, I think it's very difficult if you're a state and you're known for your football, uh, your high school football, and then the states around you have made it so that NIL is afforded. You're seeing it already. We've seen it in basketball, but more and more kids are saying, okay, if I can't do NIL here, I'm just going to leave my high school program and go to another state. So I think, you know, in terms of like maybe some of the hate mail we've gotten from some high school football coaches, at the end of the day, they should really look at it for what it is and say, okay, they're not coming to take our players. They're potentially going to work with a quarterback who didn't play that much the year before because maybe he played behind a, a really good recruit. We get him into the prep Super League. We, it's not seven on seven, okay? Seven on seven is a drill that you can get good at, okay? Linebackers take drops that you would never see him take in the games. Quarterbacks don't see a live pass rush. Receivers catch the ball knowing full well that no one is going to hit them. So it's a much easier thing to perfect and get really good at. But at the end of the day, it's not football in actual context. So the idea that you could take maybe a quarterback, like the example I just gave you, put him in the prep Super League, give him all those components. Now we're going to send that kid back to you for summer. Now he's going to go back to you for your fall football. We're not taking the player away. We're actually preparing him and helping develop him. And most of the, I would take the position too that, you know, look, we're still early days in the hiring process, but most of the coaches that we're going out, going after have a strong quarterback background. Because as you know, Andrew, However, the quarterback goes, so goes your team, so goes your success as a, as a team or a league. So, yeah, we feel, we feel good about a lot of the, the things that we're doing. And ultimately, I think over the next 12 to 18 months, I believe that most, if not all, the states are going to allow NIL at the high school level. I think Georgia might be as soon as this fall. And I think it's hard for Florida then to not have it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get kids from Florida going into Georgia to play for NIL alone. That still doesn't really change our business very much because even when all the states have it, most of the states that are, are allowing it are still putting it in place with a lot of restrictions. So you can't do it in conjunction with your, your high school team. You can't do it wearing your, your uniform that people know you. If you're a high school athlete, my position is if you're LeBron James walking down the street, people recognize LeBron James in, in street clothes. If you're a high school athlete and you've come into your own based on your athletic prowess, the only way you're going to be recognizable is if we see you in conjunction with your high school sport or with your team or somebody in the local area. And so I think a player that comes in the Prep Super League, hey, we don't have those restrictions. You're going to be able to do it in conjunction with the Prep Super League. You're going to be able to do it wearing your uniform and all the lights. So we feel very good that even when all the states legislate it and allow for it, our deals are still going to be worth exponentially more because one, it's going to be less restriction, less restrictive rather. And two, you're going to be playing in a national league with 
a lot of exposure. So it just is going to increase your own personal brand. It's going to make any sort of deal that you currently have or you're potentially entertaining just worth that much more. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value in the playing. I mean, for me, going back to my basketball days, like I got all my offers and recruiting out of AAU, not really so much high school. So it's like kind of the same exactly. thing here, your same yep. platform. And then also speaking of brands going younger, I'm sure the agencies love this too, this idea, because now they can spot talent earlier as well. And, you know, if you know a kid's good when he's 14 and you're Adidas and now you have them, you have Steph Curry at 14, well, then Under Armour never had a chance, right? That's interesting from, from those fronts in a lot of ways. Now, kind of, we've touched on a bit of it, but I guess any future initiatives you want to touch on or anything you just want to talk about or, or promote of like when you guys start or if you're looking for things, you know, the floor is yours here now to kind of spit that game about prep super league yeah absolutely so look we're excited about the upcoming season we're gonna i think have our first practice april 2nd of next year it's a six-week regular season so we'll start april 19th with week one games and then conclude i believe may 24th which is our our week six and i think people are going to be really excited when they get a chance to actually watch our games because we we do have a company right now that's building our own direct-to-consumer platform we're, we're really excited about that People are going to be able to download an app, parents, coaches, anywhere, and, and, and watch games in real time, which is something that I don't believe the company we're working with right now has basically said to us, there isn't one sport league in the world yet that has done this. So we're going to be the first one to do it, and we are a high school football league. So I think that's really cool. The other thing that's going to be unique is some of the data tracking capabilities that our league is going to have. And so, again something uh, very space age, something technologically quite advanced that I think our fans are going to really enjoy. So I think there's a lot of really unique elements that we're going to tie into the broadcast uh, that's not, that no one's ever done before. And I'm, I'm excited about uh, the upcoming season. That's awesome. Yeah. Where uh, can people find more of Prep Super League website, socials, check you guys out or, you know, get in contact with you or if, you know, they want to be a coach or, you know, you guys are hiring. You know, where can people find that stuff? Look, uh, first and foremost, the website, prepsuperleague.com. We're at Prep Super League on Twitter and all the major uh, social media handles. Something that I'm not necessarily an expert at, but trust me, I have younger people around me that are uh, quite capable. So, uh, you know, if somebody wants to drop us a line, it's just info at prepsuperleague.com. I, I do a very good job. If it's not one of my assistants, they're forwarding me emails. I, we always do, a, I think, an outstanding job in, in responding to everybody that, that reaches out or in all inquiries we, we receive. But uh, yeah, that's really how to get in touch. And uh, we're, we're excited about the upcoming year. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Brian. And uh, we'll get you back on once your league's up and running and touch base on how it's all going and playing out. Uh, but it's, it's pretty cool. I like what you guys are doing. And yeah, I mean, I think you're you're definitely fill, filling a void that like just seems to be, I guess, maybe it'll look obvious in hindsight, but, you know, no one's done it. It's the first time. Well, that's I think that, to be honest with you, a lot of people have approached me and they've asked me that question. And then I've had a lot of people that have been in the industry for many years and they said, Brian, we felt like this was the only thing that was missing here with football because, you know, seven on seven years ago wasn't what it is now. It was a few people out there conducting seven on seven tournaments. Now, every neighborhood, every rec league, every high school, every college, every apparel brand seems to conduct their own version of a seven on seven, which I, I've already alluded to. I don't think seven on seven is going to develop a quarterback. And it's definitely not going to develop your, one of your more important positions, which is offensive linemen. So we feel like we've created a very valuable platform on multiple fronts. But it, you know, again, to your point, 
so many people in this sector have reached out to me and said, why hasn't somebody done this before? And I think, again, this is where, you know, not to, to, to come off sounding too arrogant, but look, I've, I've gotten a few leagues off the ground. I, I'm, I'm known for being a league launcher of sorts. And so if anybody can, can put a national high school football league out there and, and make it work and, and be highly functional, I feel like I've got the expertise uh, to do it. And that was the exciting part in our capital raise is that I think a lot of people, you know, didn't really even look at the deck. They just invested because I said I was doing a football league and they knew I, I had some uh, experience doing it. So that's been uh, very exciting. But, I, but, I, but going back again to your point, it is really interesting that this has not happened before, but I'm just excited that I'm the first one to get an opportunity to do this because I don't plan on starting any companies after this. My wife said this is the last <laughs> one. And so uh, this is, uh, this is a really a lot of fun for me because it's the first of its kind. It, it, to some extent, it's more exciting for me than, than getting the USFL off the ground or developing a, uh, you know, a standalone spring football league of sorts. So in any case, we're, we're excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll keep everyone up to date and uh, yeah, make sure to check out prepsuperleague.com. But thanks for coming on, Brian. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you.